Hello everyone and welcome to Nine Inch Charge. Welcome to the old old show. Dan here and as ever, Tom also here. What up? Now what's strange about this episode is normally we're pretty good if there's rumours about and things. We do tend to get them onto the channel quite quickly as soon as we hear them. And the last rumour video we did was just before Warhammer Total War 3 dropped, which is nearly two months ago. And when it dropped, a community article came out, which we haven't spoken about, I think mostly because we were somewhat underwhelmed by it. Um, but there is there was some news there when it came out. Uh, we're going to talk about it today, nearly two months on. So this isn't news. This is, um, I was listening to the Ricky Gervais podcast, a really old one for ages ago, and Carl Pilkington was doing some monkey news from like the 17th century. And Ricky was just like, it's not news though, is it? That's olds. So today we're going to bring you some olds, <laughs> uh, but but some exciting olds and worth talking about, I think. Um, so yeah, the article all the way back from February, like I said, a bit underwhelming. You know, we were hoping that Total War Three would drop, and then Games Workshop would go, and here's the tabletop game as well, and then it never really happened, but. There is something interesting on here. So, Tom, I'm going to read you um, an excerpt from the first, very first part of the article because it, it doesn't pull any punches. It comes straight out and says basically what, what we want to hear. So, it's taken more than three decades, but light has finally been shed on the mysterious eastern realm of Cathay. Though its nation's first full appearance in the world of Warhammer can be seen in the just-released Warhammer Total War 3, Cathay will also be coming to the tabletop in the upcoming Warhammer Total War. <laughs> so we do. Oh have... yeah, yeah. So we do actually have our very. Although we've seen different provinces and different maps, we do actually have our first fully confirmed faction. That's sick. I'm so excited that like the models, I can imagine are going to be incredible. They've got so much scope there to play with. I yeah, and actually, me and Jeremy kind of preempted this. So, if you guys haven't seen it, go back and have a look at the the Cafe Army reveal um, video that me and Jeremy did because we went through all the units and talked about what would be um, core, what could be special, what could be rare, and we even went into the minutia of what we think would be a jewel kit and things like that. Because what's funny is if you you know if you look at the units that are in the game and the cannon is a really good example is that there's two variants of the cannon that they have there's like a missile launcher like a hell blaster volley gun and a more traditional cannon but the like the frame of the cannon is identical but then the barrel is different how it shoots out and when you look at stuff like that when you look at it through the eyes of someone who's a tabletop gamer you think oh that looks like a jewel kit so i did we did kind of think maybe <laughs> yeah but, now I'm really excited because actually what is really cool about how the army specifically works, um, one of the big things is it's all about teamwork and balance and yin and yang and all that kind of stuff. But it's all to do with discipline and rank and file. And they work really well as big units coming together and fighting side by side, which I yeah. think would be great to see on the tabletop and it'd be nice to see if games workshop has still got it in them after age of sigma and everything swirling around and being on round bases <laughs> and having lots of space yeah. to make something that looks great in a uniform kind of battle line stance and still keep that kind of 
magical yeah i think this is one to do it with isn't it because you've got you, you've got you can have a lot of eastern inspired armor pieces and eastern inspired weaponry like nice curved uh to like spears and your halberds and stuff like that with you know interesting tassels and talismans coming mm. off of everything um but just have it like look a nice rank and fire everything's nice and uniform and as you say in the um in the old world in warhammer tech war 3 it's all about balance i'd like to see that come into the list building of it so you could have a bit list this like out of balance it may be like super powerful but a bit glass cannony or a list mm. that's in balance and you know really dig into that little um mechanic that they've got in the game i think that would be brilliant uh, from what i understand the way it works in total war is like if you've got a yin unit it works well if you've got a yang unit nearby it won't like a yang unit won't buff a yang unit it will buff a yin unit no no if they if you end up with too many near each other they end up out of balance and you get massive debuffs so mm -hmm. you know having a unit of spearmen and a unit of archers next to each other creates a good balance mm -hmm. so they end up buffing each other and working well as a team <clears throat> That's very cool. Um, and also in the article, there was a map reveal. And the map is really, really cool, actually. When I first looked at it, I thought to myself, it's not very full. Um, when you look at the provinces like the Empire, for example, there's lots of little towns and different things. And it's not really, really full. But actually, the more you look at it, the more detail you find. So it's got the three main rulers, the three main dragons. So we've got Mao Ying and Zhao Ming, who are the two named characters um, and named dragons that came out in um, Warhammer Total War 3. And then it's got the province, the imperial provinces ruled by Zin Yang, who is, um, who's their dad, basically. And he is the imp imperial um storm dragon and he's the, the the overall ruler um doesn't look like we'll get a model for him but i think we might get a, maybe a jewel kit or definitely get a dragon kit for for the two named dragons i'd have thought and i think they'll do a big marathi little marathi kind of thing because they can be in human form and then turn into the dragons so i think that could be cool to see yeah and i was looking through the map and i was thinking they've got a lot more control over their territory than um a lot of the places in what we would consider to be the old world, like Britonia and Empire, because there's not they're not overrun by goblins, they're not overrun by anything really. There's two beastmen icons in the Imperial provinces living in uh, the forests just down by the Jade River, but not a lot really. They seem to have very good overall control of of where they are, and it does say in the article that you know the nation has stood or the empire has stood for millennia and especially where Zen Yang is in the middle there it's never ever fallen to anyone yeah I think yeah it's quite like <clears throat> a militarized little population I say little population like they've they've got a massive bastion to defend haven't they so mm -hmm. you don't end up defending a bastion that size without you know militarizing the whole population of your place so what what's cool about it is that on top of those little symbols there they've got the great wall to the north and that just looks great for some siege warfare because just above that in the eastern steeps you can already see there's two um 
there's two realms there and one of them is a fortress on the far right of the map and that's owned by chaos so you've got chaos coming down and them having to defend the wall and Zhao Ming is up in the north Zhao, sorry, Mao Ying sorry is up in the northern provinces defending the wall and you get to see a bit of that in the trailer um for the computer game and I think yeah it'd be cool if there was just a little bit just a scenario you could play and they used to do this in the old army books they give you like a one-off scenario and it'd be nice to see something like that defending one of the big like defending the dragon gate or something like that against World yeah World that would be sick and you could do a there's... really interesting campaign couldn't you oh yeah you really like could. you could do a whole series like a whole like the the forge world uh, red books or the black books you could do uh the great bastion campaign where one side mm. takes chaos and he's trying to push in push through the bastion break it down and someone else playing grand cafe and trying to defend it <clears throat> mm. Um, the thing it does say in the article, it does talk about an adversary of theirs, um, and it's the first time, it's not the first time we've seen them on the map, but it's the first time they've been spoken about in the article, and if that's going to be a main adversary of theirs, that's now been mentioned, it does make you think, will they also become a faction in the game? And that is the Hobgoblins, which are up to the north above the Stone Sky Mountains. And that there, after that brief intermission, takes us on to our second topic of this episode, and that is the Hobgoblins. So I've been doing a bit of reading. I've been having a look, scouring the different rule books, trying to find stuff about them. So I've been looking. There's a page, a slight reference in the sixth edition book. Not a lot, really. Um, but there is quite a lot about them in the third edition rule book. In the third edition rule book, there was a a bestiary and in the bestiary they talked about all the different races in the warhammer world and there's all kinds of weird and wonderful things that we don't really see anymore um i got really excited um as i'm sure you remember when i saw the gnomes so who knows maybe we'll do a gnomish episode <laughs> gnome hammer yeah gnome hammer um so yeah we might do that in the future but for now we're talking about the hobgoblins so i'm gonna just have a look through the third edition book now and have a see what it says about them. So hobgoblins are rare and unwelcome visitors to the old world. They're really creatures of the open steep lands to the east coast of the to the east of the world's edge mountains and north of the dark lands in an area of scattered forest and endless flat grassland. Hobgoblins are a nomadic group of goblinoids less heavily built than orcs though almost as tall. The steep is home to many of these wandering tribes, but all owe allegiance to the warmongering Hobgobla Khan, the chief ruling over the tribe of Morngul. Hobgoblin armies are able to field diverse and a well-equipped force of mixed infantry and mounted troops, many of the latter riding the fearsome Hobhound, a dark and chaotic mastiff-like creature native to the Morngul homeland. Hobhounds are ridden only by the tribe of the Khan, and other steep tribes riding giant wolves or serving as infantry. The Hobgobla Khan controls the largest empire in the world, um, one which includes vassal tribes and allies. Although there are non-Mongol allies that are less reliable than their conquerors, they provide additional troops for the armies, including rocket troops from Cathay, wolf riders from the steeps, and sturdy infantry from the mountains. So all sorts in there, really. I can't believe that this, we've just done like the big reveal of Cathay and we're like, look how much bigger it is than the Empire. And then you read that and actually 
the goblins or the hobgoblins have got the biggest empire in the world. How have they organised that? I don't know. That's like the goblins. I bet that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so what it is, it's what it sounds like it there is it's all different little tribes scattered around, but they all they all owe fealty to the hobgobbler Khan. Yeah. And um I was reading as well on the uh, on the wiki about them, and there was something really, really funny about them. Um, and we can talk about this in a bit of detail later on because there's a story that goes along with it. Um, hobgoblins are known for being the most traitorous creatures in the world. Backstabbing a friend is often referred to literally in hobgoblin society, so much so that they have evolved a hard, flat bone backplate where a stab is most likely. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's brilliant. So to imagine one, yeah, it's a goblin that's nearly as tall as an orc with a big sort of bit of hard back plate on his back, probably hunched over a bit, so he can't get stabbed by his mate. And of all the Khans, there's only ever been one who's died a natural death. All of the rest have been scuppered and stabbed in the back by their comrades. Well, I guess maybe not stabbed in the back, maybe just stabbed in the front, or I don't know yeah. where they would stab them now they've got this anti-stab proof armor stab him in the face and looking through the rules of third edition they don't have any additional armor save for having that big old bone on the back and i think that if they are to come back as a race because they've now been mentioned in this article then then they should uh yeah they should have that five up armor save if you tacked in the, the rear <laughs> yeah <laughs> absolutely i think that would be cool um, so yeah, it does mention the units and I've sent through some pictures of the units. I'll have them come up and they did have quite a range actually. It surprised me because I'd never seen it really before of, um, bolt throwers and hand weapons and wolf riders and the wolf riders actually, they quite reminded me of the wolf riders that came out not too long ago for Warhammer Underworlds. They've got that kind of feel about them, I think, which might be an indication of what the army might look like if they're to bring it out. Um, the hand weapon of choice looks to be an axe. Every single one of them has got an axe in their hands, like crazy axe-wielding axe. murderers. Yeah. yeah. Even the archers have massive axes. I don't know what's going on. Well, an archer still needs a hand weapon to fight in combat, don't they? So yeah, they need a massive axe and a shield. Like a little stabby, like gladius, yeah, but not a massive axe. <laughs> <laughs> well, so. I don't know if... I don't know if that was maybe just because of ease of modelling, so you could actually make something that you could see, and that's why it had to be oversized, because they are quite old miniatures. Yeah. It might it might have been that. But there isn't too much more to say about them. Oh, I was going to tell that story about backstabbing. So there was a time when there was a, a massive invasion of the Chaos Dwarves by um, Black Orcs and um, Savage Orcs, I think. Um, and they went in and started attacking all the Chaos Dwarves. But actually, the Chaos Dwarves and the Hobgoblins have got an alliance. And the Hobgoblins, um, much like the Crawl Boys do, they have lots of slaves and things, and they kidnap slaves. And I think that's probably how they ended up with Cathay and troops in their army. Um, mm -hmm. They like to kidnap people and so that. And they provide slave labour for the Chaos Dwarves. And the Chaos Dwarves, in return, might um, give them all different weapons and... And things like that they're probably making all the axes um <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny because they both think they get the best part of the deal because i think this is kind of fleshed out even more in age of sigma between the 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 cruel boys who are kind of the updated hobgoblins 
and the mention of chaos dwarves is that they give them the rubbish slaves and they give them the rubbish axes and they both think they've got a number on each other <laughs> but the the orcs are about to slay um the capital of the chaos dwarves and are about to just overrun them and take over everything and then i think the hobgoblins realize oh actually we'll 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 be worse off because of this so then they turn, you know, ever a backstabber, they turn on the orcs and then victory is won for the Chaos Dwarves. Yeah, green skins turning on green skins. I know, that someone must have rolled really badly for animosity in the middle of that battle. Is what I, think <laughs> yeah. I think that's cool though. I think I quite like that idea actually. If you're if you're doing a campaign, maybe you're writing a campaign and you'll just be like We'll just let the dice decide and see if these orcs fight, like orcs and goblins fight each other rather than actually do the battle. Because yeah, to happen, and it's even more so likely to happen with the hobgoblins. You should just you should just never ever trust them. So, <clears throat> let's see what it says about them. So alignment: hobgoblins are evil creatures, and they delight in torture and needless slaughter and wanton cruelty. And their special rules are. Hobgoblin forces always carry their standards into battle. Uh, this takes the form of a staff pole bearing a trophy or sign, and this is carried in a small wagon drawn by a span of fierce hobhounds. Uh, so long as their standard remains intact, any Mongol units, which is probably the key word for the army there, are subject to frenzy. Um, the army standard and its wagon must be included. That's quite cool. I like your use of keywords. <laughs> yeah, I think what's cool about that, it kind of reminds me a little bit like um, the undead, where when you kill the necromancer, the army begins to crumble, though not quite as severe as that. Like, you need to go after the standard, and then the army isn't as combat effective. So I can imagine there's lots of layers of bubble wrapping and things like that. I, I think... It's funny, and you probably end up playing it completely the opposite as intended, because you go into battle waving this massive standard, and you'd be like, yeah, look at my banner. And then actually, when you're playing the game, you'd probably be like, right, where's the nearest hill that yeah, I can I put did. this behind? <laughs> and no one will ever see it. And you just be like, it is there, really? And then they'll fight twice Absolutely. as hard. Yeah, would, that be, would that be something you had to model yourself, or did they release a model for it? I can't find a model for it. Yeah. Um, model that surely if it must be included, there must be one. I'll keep digging and I'll see if I can find one. Um, the Hobgoblin Standard is the symbol of the tribe's honour. Um, any enemy unit engaged in close combat against, against it um, is hated by all Mongol units on the table. So if you try and take it out, they realise that and then they're like, right, we hate them. Let's like, fight harder against them because they're trying to pull the banner yeah. down. That's a cool rule. Problem is, most people are just trying to cannon it off, I imagine, or something like that. That's what you go for, isn't it? Yeah. I don't know what cannons were like in third edition, so it may have been really difficult to have done. Mm. They were like laser pointers like they are in eight. So there's more further rules about the standard here. Um, the standard is a potent magical symbol to a hobgoblin wizard. Totems always have the ability to map act as a magical reservoir as described under magical standards all hobgoblin wizards must sorry it goes on to the next page must surrender half of their magic points before the battle takes place and place them in the standard what the hell's a magic point <laughs> is that when they have magic cards was this just like the dawn of magic the, 
the actual We're getting a bit out of our depth, aren't we? Because I know we say, oh, we've been in, well, I know I've been in the hobby 22 years this year. It's easy because I started in 2000. Yeah. And this is but... a bit before my time. Um, but it sounds like, you know, you can draw magical power from the, from the banner if you need to at later points of the game. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and a Hobgoblin Wizard must substitute any spells for equivalent level, elementalist, demonic, or necromantic spells. Hobgoblins do not use illusionist magic, so they must be common laws that, that they could use. <clears throat> and then it's got profiles here for them. And, and then it moves on to what humans are like in the realm. So that's pretty much all we've got about them. So it does seem to be they're scattered tribes. They are mostly... Um, Hand weapon and shield, I guess, kind of, kind of units. They do have archers. There are tropes familiar to um, goblin players, um, except they have sort of sort of slaves and mercenaries that they could tie into their army because their empire is so vast, including Cathay and troops. It doesn't sound from the article like that will be the case because in the article it says it seems to suggest that Cathay are fighting a big war against against the hobgoblins. Mm. And what it says in the sixth edition rule book in the in the tiny tiny bit of flavor text is just that there's a big trading route from east to west, um, the Silk Road. Um, no idea where they got the inspiration for that. And if it, if anyone ever deviates off it or goes through Hobgoblin territory, um, your survival rate is ten percent. Only ten percent of caravans actually make it all the way through to the other side because they just looted and raided and torn to bits so it's a really really dangerous place that you would never want to visit basically no sounds like an interesting opportunity to model some interesting like hobgoblin rocket troops yeah i think that would be I'd really cool that. yeah and they could do that so well now i think you can you can really see how they could animate them they could also almost be like like when fanatics are swinging around, you could have someone like caught on the end of a rocket or something getting like flung yes. around. That'd be sick. Or maybe be... you just have a variant of the Doom Diver where he's on top of a rocket yeah. or something. That'd be good. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah like he's flying a rocket through the air. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's sick. There's that's so sick. much that you could do with this, there's so much potential. For me, it sounds a bit like they're a little bit less wacky than normal goblins and a bit crueler and a bit more calculated and a bit more devious. Yeah. Um, so I don't know how much wacky stuff we would see in a release, but um, as I said before, it just seems to be with this this game the way the reveals are going. It's like you've got the Empire and it's huge, and then you've got Cafe and it's massive, and now you've got the Hulk Goblins and they're even bigger. And it's just like, where are they going to end up? It's like <clears throat> mental. Yeah. Maybe they um, what was it? The um, Skaven tried to they tried to pull the moon into the into the planet to get to warp home. <laughs> Maybe yeah. it'll end up with a moon race of crazy monsters. Yeah, and then at some point we've got to explore the big bads who kind of bring it all to an end, don't we? Mm. Uh, those big chaos dudes who just come smashing through whatever they want. Yeah, and I'd love to find out more. I don't know how much the Hobgoblins are referenced in the end times. From my recollection, they weren't really. There might be a sentence here or there, but I don't remember anything. And actually, in the wiki article, um, and normally they're really thorough, more than me just looking through the army books, um, there actually isn't anything for end times for the Hobgoblins. So there's, they're just a, a pretty much the third edition stuff that I read is the most that we've got. There's a couple of entries from them um, 
from a first edition book, which I don't have, and from the Chaos Dwarf book from 1994. Um, and that's, as I said, because there was that alliance between the two of them. But yeah, they're pretty much a blank canvas, kind of like what Cafe were. So I'd be really interested to see, and I'm really hopeful now that we might actually see some, um, especially as the Crawl Boys have been so popular for Age of Sigmar. Yeah. Um, I think that there's a real good chance. So that's all we know. It's a bit of a short one. Normally when we do an episode, you know, we've done kind of two things. We've spoken about Cafe, so we've whole copies. Normally we have kind of one unit focus and we can go on and on and on and on. Um, but Tom and I were talking earlier and we quite enjoyed this so we're, i think we're going to do we're going to look at some different races that yeah. are extinct from the warhammer world so i'm bagsy and gnomes ah oh, okay I'll, I'll have a look through do some forgotten hammer i think you'd like the norse dwarves tom yeah they sound quite cool they're very cool and especially as as you love dwarves it'd be, and the norse dwarves actually are in the map so they'd be cool to talk about but they are yeah that's true if you guys watching have any races um you know there's wares and norse and all sorts that you want to be talked about um, and you want to hear a bit more about, let us know in the comments and we'll uh, we'll be sure to uh, to include them in our next episode. It'll probably be the next episode or the one after because we do want to do one about the Winter Magic. We've been talking a lot about the Winter Magic lately. <laughs> that cat's just not something over behind you, I think, Tom. Another feral beast from the untamed wilds of the, the fantasy lands in which we live. <laughs> all right well on that um on that clattering bombshell <laughs> i think we shall uh we'll call it call it a day so thank you very much for watching everyone see you later on see you later on and then we've got to edit that in <laughs> <laughs>